Hey, Linux Journal readers, I'm Catherine Druckman. I'm talking to Doc Searles, our editor-in-chief, and Brian Lunduk, who is our newest Linux Journal editor. Hello, I Internet. I believe your title is, is it Deputy Editor? Deputy Editor. I, I chose that one specifically because it sounded kind of Wild Westy. Uh, so you get I, a I badge, like right? You get a little sheriff star. As far as I'm concerned, I get a badge, yeah. She yeah. comes with a badge. Okay, that's yeah. cool. I'm going to have mine change the sheriff. So we've talked a lot about community and and how maybe people have lost lost touch a bit with um, open source ideals and and that sort of thing. And then there have been these controversies surrounding changing licensing and whatnot because certain entities have become resentful of the larger commercial giants sort of taking advantage of, of their code. But in the process, it sort of, I don't know, added to some confusion, I guess. Um, so, so I guess really, like, why did people stop caring about open source? Well, I, I, it's sort of like giving a shit about lumber mills, you know. I mean, it's there. Um, it, it's part of life. I mean, it's 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 been. It was a cause for a long time. Um, have you got recording going yet? Oh, you are recording. Okay, good. So, oh, I am. I remember uh, when. The internet was new in the 90s. Um, uh, we went to one of the first internet worlds, which was also one of the last internet worlds, because what's the point of having an internet world when the whole world is using the internet, right? And and we saw, and, and, and Joyce said, it was kind of like having phone world. You know, like, what if he's got a phone now? So I have a phone world. Now, of course, today, phones are very different. They call them phones, but they're really computers that do telephony as an app. Um, among many, but but we kind of, with the internet, we went from being fascinated by the fact that we're now on this thing to moving into its ubiquity and then forgetting to even think about what are the full implications of this? What is it like to live digital lives um, along with physical lives? And what can we do to preserve what's open and free about this? Now, this is a big concern of mine right now. I don't know if you've read Cory Doctorow's latest from the EFF, but the, the, the copyright law is coming down in Europe that basically is going to, it, it utterly ignores and forgets what linking is about, you know, which is you point to this other thing that matters, not that you have to get a, you know, have a copyright permission to do this. I mean, yeah. this is, this is, is beyond scary and, and, and beyond bad. And, it's what happens when the internet is not itself understood for what it is. And for that matter, what the web is on top of the internet, um, you know, and, and yet below it all, we still have TCPIP and what makes TCPIP special is that it doesn't have billing built in. It doesn't have anything built in other than a, a way to shake hands. And, and, and it has this brilliant thing which says, you could use any network to get a, you know data from here to there. And and if it doesn't work, just send it again. That's the whole freaking thing. But what it does with the any network um, specification, if you can call it that, there's probably too big a word for it, but it's just a protocol, is that it made possible this world in which all networks are subordinated. And that itself is brilliant and amazing and and throws so many things out of whack that are now getting back into whack, and they shouldn't be, such as every government wanting a piece of the action. That's what tariffs were about. You know, that's why that's why it took so long in Europe, especially any place where you went between countries, to 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 get the data. You know, the the, the tariff walls down. You know, between between countries, so so you couldn't use your cell phone to do data between here and there. Anyway, you got to look on your face, Brian. So <laughs> no, there, there's just a whole lot to unpack there, too. my man. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's 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 uh, let's pull back a second because you kind of hit on some things that I uh, <laughs> I've been harping about a lot lately myself. Um, to start with, the whole Article 11, Article 13 stuff. Uh, those are the the the, yeah. the copyright reforms that are being passed over in the EU right now. Um, they 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 do add some seriously concerning elements for people who are big proponents of the free and open web because you can, you know, there's now theoretically 
fines or, or not necessarily fines inherently, but taxes and levies that are added on top of things like linking or linking with a, uh, a, a summary of the article you're linking to now requires some sort of payment to the original author. And if the original author doesn't allow for that, there's a whole extra set of bureaucratic things that come into play on top of it. And that's that does seem horrible to me but it also kind of is where we've been heading for for so many years and even the the organizations that spend so much time talking about how they're you know kind of defenders of the free and open web the w3c and so many other different organizations have all been pushing for things exactly like this for the ability for not just content creators but uh publishers companies who own copyrights or patents around things to be able to control the flow of information and that's been kind of the the push even from the mightiest among us like like the knight sir tim berners lee i mean he's even gone more over to the yeah you know we should wrap everything in drm or at least provide the option for it we should make that a standard you know blah 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 that that sort of thing and so I don't really know that it's something we can avoid as much as I think all three of us and 99.98% you know, of people listening to this would agree. We want to avoid that. We want the web to be free. We want the, the internet upon which the web sits to be free. But I, I don't know if there's an actual way to accomplish that at this point. There's simply way too much money and way too much power and way too much control that can be had. And people like us really don't have any of that. Uh, I, I think we do. Um, but I think it's we just don't have the mechanisms for fully exercising them. Um, or, or, or it's in the hands of the wizards, right? I mean, there's <laughs> the, I mean, I, I, I don't know how many times I've written something in Linux Journal where I say, okay, here's, here's what we need to do. We need to develop the ways that each of us can have full independence and, and, um, and autonomy and sovereignty and agency and all the words that are coming into more vogue now to little effect. They're good words. And, yeah, they're great words. And inevitably, I get a comment that says, well, you should just do what I do. I use infinite crypto and onion routing. <laughs> and, 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 and it's, so, yeah. it's so simple and easy. You know, just open your shell and, and do these five commands and pipe this into that. And why doesn't everybody do that, right? Well, not everybody's a wizard, right? So, um, I so I, I want to touch on a couple of things. What is on this topic, but on the, the other one is on why you left social media, which is an interesting, I think, <laughs> more interesting topic. <laughs> but because I, I, last week I was on a cruise, and I didn't expect to be on this cruise. I never thought I'd be on another cruise again. We did a lot of them with Linux Journal as junkets back when we made money and stuff. And Linux was up and coming, and it was a lot of fun. It was around the turn of the millennium. And Linus was on some of those cruises, and uh, Monty with MySQL, and it, you know, just yeah. a lot of great people out of the alpha uh, Linux maintainers, uh, Andrew Morton and... Ted Show and I mean just these th th brilliant, fun, great people to hang around with and talk about other stuff with and um, but you know I th once that was over I thought we'd never do it again but then because some in-laws wanted to schedule this thing and it was somebody's birthday and we suddenly found ourselves <laughs> in the very last something I never wanted to be in which is the, the an inside room with a view, a view through a porthole um, but we had that and and it was fun. But what I admired about it was here's a ship that cost half a billion dollars to make, had 3,600 passengers on it, 1,500 crew, and ran really, really well. I mean, there's there were so few glitches, so few errors, so few ways it didn't work. And I thought, this makes what Facebook does look easy. I mean, I mean, I mean, like, like nothing. I mean, these guys are doing. You want to do That's a real fair old, point, yeah. Make and a, the cruise ship is actually keeping people alive at the same time. Yeah, they're keeping people alive. They're they're dealing with liabilities. They're dealing with. I mean, they're floating a city on the ocean, right? You know, and, <laughs> it's, and we're having yep. dinner. We're having dinner at one point, and and I, you know, I I sort of did the 
the protractor approach this like how much is the ship right now leaning in heavy seas to to the left and right and front and back it was only about one to two degrees but one or two degrees on a slick table will take everything and slide it to the floor you know so everybody's kind of reaching out and holding their drinks on the table while the boat is doing what it does and because they're drinking they're it's okay and they're not getting sick but and and all the help is like they just know how to walk upright and straight while all this shit's going on it's it was amazing i thought this is a platform. This is a real platform. This is not like what's called a platform. A literal platform. A literal platform, and everything's on it, and everything is utterly dependent on it, which is what a lot of these guys that we give shit and admire uh, in the tech world aspire to, but done to, but also doing it in the real world. You know, the thing that they suck at, of course, is the internet. <laughs> 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 honestly that's my that's my favorite part about cruise ships the fact that you can be in the middle of nowhere thousands of miles from humanity and have an all-you-can-eat buffet of every kind of food in the world but there's no good internet connection yeah. i love that 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 to me is just the it's there's heaven. something almost uh, almost sweet and admirable about it i mean it's kind of like yeah for, for those of you who, want to, who uh, need to work so badly you go, you that. <laughs> i have have fun, you know, sipping dribbles. I mean, I ran so many ping tests where I'm getting 30, 50, 70% packet losses. You know? oh, that's glorious. I know. It's just, that it's, is living the good life, my friend. And when you pull into port, you, you pull into Cabo, we moved to Cabo San Lucas, um, uh, Mazatlan, and Puerto Vallarta. And actually, we didn't go ashore in Cabo or in Puerto Vallarta because we needed to work. And so we stayed on the boat and it was raining in the second case. And also, it overlooked a Walmart right there by the dock. <laughs> you know, that's in Puerto Vallarta. But the internet tethered over our phones was like 30, 40, 50 megabits in both directions and rocked. And we have a T-Mobile account with, with unlimited data. So we just, like, upload all Good the to go. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it, it really worked, which is really impressive. Hats off to T-Mobile for making that work. Unless, of course, I get a bill for $1,000 and I find out it, did, it didn't work. Um but but I, I just was admiring what a real platform is because they they operate one, you know. So yeah. um, anyway, so I just wanted to mention that. Uh, but I but let's let's go to you. And, and I mean, the last thing you wrote oh, on Twitter is this is my final Twitter post. Don't message me here because I would see it. Well, I'm seeing it and telling you. <laughs> so, so you punched out. and Yeah, I punched so, out out so tell us about that and why and how and the rest it's uh, honestly i did i did a, a kind of a trial run of this earlier in the year where i kind of checked out of social media for like a month just to see what it was like document the process and then i then i came back and told everyone about it on twitter and whatnot <laughs> and it was interesting because during the time i was off social media my productivity went up because I, I measure how many words I write and how many videos I churn out and how many views they get and all that. And during that period of time when I was not on social media at all, not promoting myself, nothing, my views went up, my subscribers went up, the total of number of words I wrote went up, and I slept more. <laughs> so I wow. had to kind of sit and think about that, and I went right back to it. I went right back to friggin' Twitter tweeting about it. And months go by, and I'm like, why Why haven't I just done this full time? Why have I not just ripped a plug out? How dumb am I to know for a fact, <laughs> through actual scientific testing, that this would make my life better, and I'm not doing it? And I'm not going to say it's going to make everyone's life better, but for me, it made my life better, more productive and happier. And so I'm just like, well, the heck with it. So I just pulled the plug. I want to say that was like, I don't know, three weeks ago, something like that. And uh, yeah. 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 13 was your last one. Oh, nice. So uh, a little over a week and I'll hit my one month anniversary. It's an exciting moment for everyone. <laughs> well, I discovered that I, in fact, had stopped following you and I thought I had. Uh, <laughs> Now that you're gone, I can follow you. Thing, thing. Um, yeah, follow me now. It's going to be really exciting. Yeah. So, so I have this thought, a theory, that it's not even a theory. It's just it's, it's an assumption that lay the assumption on me, man. Oh, it's well. First of all, everything is evanescent. Every everything we call a company is just a project. Um, uh, you know, every company in Silicon Valley, including the biggest ones, Google and Facebook and even Apple, which is 
now become monstrously huge. But even Microsoft up in Seattle, they're all just projects. They're projects that worked out, that got big. But they're like a Hollywood movie that's over budget and just keeps getting more and more over budget and is showing the movie at the same time, actually, while they're working on it. But it's still inherently a project. And that's respecting the fact that all companies are projects. All companies die. Jeffrey West went on about that quite a bit, wrote his book Scale about it, um, that, you know, companies are sort of like life forms. They, they're they closed. They're closed systems. And and you get decreasing returns and energies that go into them over time because they are closed. And they eventually uh, fall down and die. But I think that there's something about tech companies that are especially that, and at a certain point, they just start smoking their own exhaust and getting high on that. And I mean, Facebook has all the signs. I mean, they 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 say nothing that makes sense. Nothing. I mean, it's just like, what? I, I you don't you know, Microsoft makes sense. Apple makes sense. And, and what? Um, even if Apple's products no longer make sense, and I and 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 they don't entirely. But that's a yeah, different set. Yeah, that's uh, all but they cannot possibly have done user testing on the latest MacBook Pros. Nobody would have, have ever said, give me nothing but USB-C ports and get rid of all of the ports that I use. No, nobody would say that. Nobody would say, get rid of the headphone hole on my on my phone. Uh, it's just, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but what they're saying about privacy is very relevant. And and I think it it's probably because it has nothing to do with strategy and everything to do with the fact that this CEO is a formerly closeted gay guy who takes his privacy very seriously personally. And and that's a good thing, even if it's a wrong thing. I think it's a good thing um, that that Apple has that position. That said, they're an absolutely gigantic thing that is not doing a great job of making actual products. They've had nothing innovative since Steve died, um, except maybe the watch, uh, but that's it. And And... You know, and, and Microsoft is sort of turning into a kind of like an Amazon-like thing. Amazon is taking over the world, but kind of like Ice Nine or the Andromeda Strain. You know, it's yeah. Like, there's something really creepy about Amazon right now, and yeah, Jeff's going full on. I mean, you can see. I I I feel I feel bad for the man. I mean, I mean, Jeff's always. I've only met Jeff a couple of times, but uh, Bezos always struck me as a as a pretty reasonable, you know, down to earth, family guy sort of dude. And I, I'm watching him now. Now that he's the richest human being that has ever existed on planet Earth, and I'm watching him look slowly more and more like Bruce Willis in a action movie. Though like he's got the black leather vest, he's polishing the top of his head so it's <laughs> shiny, and he's just—he's like three seconds away from becoming Lex Luthor, both like stylistically. Even he just seems to be embracing it, which I think is really convenient for the rest of us because then we can point at him and say, "Okay, not only does he have." <laughs> more resources than any human being was ever intended to but he's trying his best to look the part and i, I appreciate that he's doing I, that for I us i did not even know that part because i mean my, my corollary to all of that that i would say it, it, to your question to him of so, so dude what's with the shiny dome and the and the and the and the and the biker jacket i'd say why do you still laugh exactly like Pee Wee herman okay i mean, <laughs> 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 and, and here's and here, human side of him, right? He yeah. does. He does. He's a totally human guy. And the thing, the thing that stops me with with Jeff is he's clearly not a bad guy. But no, I think not. if you give any human that much money and power over a relatively short period of time, I don't know how you keep from going completely bonkers in your head. Like, I don't know how you, like, if someone's like, here you go, Brian, uh, tomorrow you're going to be the third richest man in the world, but don't worry, by Friday you'll have enough money to buy four countries. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'm pretty sure my brain breaks and I'll do something really stupid. Like, I'm 100% positive. Well, I, 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 yeah, I don't but know how he does it. I think at a certain point they just go to the bunker, and that's part of the problem. You know, you you get so big and successful that you just retreat into your bunker, and 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 where they where they only pipe in the the flattering gas. You know, the, well, yeah, 
Yeah, heck yeah, you get the bunker, yeah. but at the same time, you build a space force so you can escape. Check, Jeff's doing that. You buy yourself a media empire so you can control the media narrative about you. Check, Jeff's doing that. Like, like he's yeah. literally... If I'm... I was a big fan of Lex Luthor. And by that, I mean, I like the Lex Luthor character, I, I, especially in, you know, it's like Silver Age Batman in the comics. Mm -hmm. And Jeff is doing almost everything Lex did. The only real difference in their timeline is Lex got his money in a very different way than Jeff did. Like it's what, what real is, estate versus, uh, versus online bookstore. So, I mean, it's otherwise I'm just sitting back and going, I'm just waiting for the moment when some other worldly entity arrives and Jeff declares war on him and they do battle. Like it's coming. It just, it feels like it's coming. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be so disappointed in humanity because we've been waiting and planning for this for years. Well, it's it's interesting because, you know, the part of the Lex Luthor mythos persona is that he's this surpassingly smart character. Yeah. Um, but there are, you know, he because somebody else has he is ordinary human superpower, which is I'm really, really, really smart. Right. Yeah. Whereas he's up against Superman and, and these other guys who who have sort of otherworldly superpower and he's got to fight that. And. Um, which is a narrative that makes a kind of sense. What, what, in the one of the things that I remember when I was a kid watching the earliest James Bond movies, I always thought, why does anybody go into the evil genius business? Why, why be, <laughs> why be? And it's not just like I can understand why Doctor No did what he did, or why Goldfinger or Blofeld became the assholes they were. I just can't understand why anybody would follow them, because. You know, the, the 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 evil genius career path that you outlined there is, I think, a good one. You know, you, you at a certain point, you, you, you're you smarter than everybody else, and then you get in the bunker, and then you just hang in the bunker, and you start getting paranoid, and then you yeah. and then you buy up everything you need in order to do the things that you think you, you want, and it's all, to some degree, delusional, like the Space Force thing. Um, and and then, you know, but... But in the meantime, that, that explains them. It doesn't explain why they have minions. You know, I mean, if... I don't, why did Odd Job join up? <laughs> Odd Job join up? Odd Job could have gotten a job in professional wrestling. He could have right. could have had his own gig, right? You know, he could have been, watch what I can do with the hat. You know, I mean, that's... That's really interesting shit. And why go? Why go to? Work? He would have the best YouTube channel ever. I would subscribe to Ajab's YouTube channel in a heartbeat. <laughs> somebody, somebody listening to this ought to just do that. You know, oh, get a guy that looks like Ajab, or just be that guy. You know, and have the hat, and just show other shit you can do. With Watch that. what I can do with the hat. <laughs> dot com. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut off your your hand. Uh, just, What's we'll the other one? Let's try this again. You know. <laughs> oh lordy, what were we talking about? Right. Okay. So, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, there's some neat. You know, here's an interesting thing. Do you know what? What Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, and Larry Ellison have in common? What do they have in common? They're all adopted. Really? Isn't I didn't that, realize that. Isn't that interesting? That's not I what I was just going to say. That's <laughs> a fact. It's just interesting oh, fact. They wait, don't wait, have wait. vaginas is what I was going to say. Oh, you went there. I okay. know. I always go there. That's why I'm here. But I'm here. <laughs> Thank heavens. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I didn't. I never that realized Bezos, that. I knew he was from Houston, though, which is interesting. Who is? Jeff Bezos. Apparently, he went what to elementary Houston? school here. Yeah. yeah I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. How fascinating. Sorry, I just killed that conversation. but you know, Killed it dead, Catherine. I was like, oh, they're not like me at all. <laughs> Super not like me. <laughs> Super not. They're really not like any three of us. I mean, they're they're unique individuals. Uh, not even trash-talking them, just they're unique. <laughs> they're their own people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, but let's, well, let's go back to Amazon for a second. Do... do when you, this is for Brian, when, when you got off social media, did you get out of Prime, Amazon Prime, or did you, um, get, did you do it? No, we still got the Prime. We still got the Prime. Uh, when, it, when, it, when I quit social media, I really quit the ones that we would like 
call like flat out social media, you know, like the Twitters and the Google Pluses and the whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I kind of didn't really worry about the things that you could. Well, maybe this is social media, like forums. Like if there's a forum, mm-hmm. you know, and I need a little log into it. I, some people would consider it that. Some people would say YouTube is social media, and I'm like, well, only if you read the comments, and I don't. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, so I, I kind of didn't worry about that sort of thing. Uh, just the the blatantly social media, social media. That's what I quit. So, so the reason I asked about Prime is because Prime, um, my wife here uh, insists that we never use Prime. We've never had Prime because in her delicate way of putting it, it is crack. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it, it lowers the threshold of spending to oh, as close to zero as you can get. And yeah. So, so there, so don't don't have one of those in your house. It's like a trapdoor uh, into spend into a spending abyss. Um, but but what's happened is, I mean, in my case, because we don't have Prime, I don't go to like I was passing Whole Foods yesterday. I thought I'm not going there because I don't have a Prime account. Now, if you have a Prime account, you'll like get a discount on. Oh yeah. Prime. So so I thought. Really? I've, okay. I have one right next door to my house, and that's primarily why I have a Prime account. <laughs> really? And, yeah. and And so so that gets to a couple of things. One is, and it gets actually back to your platform point earlier of, of we're all kind of screwed because these big guys do a good job, and we live in their world, and oh well. Uh, everything turns into subscription, you know, so... Yep. So Disney just pulled Mar. I'm told anyway pulled because they own Marvel. Um, they pulled all the Marvel stuff off of Netflix. They're going to have their own thing. Um, yeah, the Disney streaming service is coming. Yeah. Stream- so you're going to have to subscribe to that. Um, Disney Plus. We're, we're on Dish here for our cable. We have Dish, but we have um, for cable TV. But Dish is in, in a dispute with um, HBO, which appears to be a permanent thing. Uh, and HBO has disappeared, and so, but they say, and HBO says, yeah, if you want HBO, just pay us $15 a month direct, and we'll just be a Netflix for you. Yeah. As a considered purchase, like, you know, it's funny, because I, I would pay 15 bucks a month, or whatever it is, to have it as gravy on Dish, but I'm not really willing to do it a la carte, um, especially when I'm looking at, well, geez, there's Spotify, and there's Pandora if you don't want ads, and there's you know, they're we're moving very quickly toward peak subscription, and and whatever that economy turns into, um, and that's that's an interesting thing because I think it's in the interest of customers to have and this is an open source talk. Um, it's in the interest of customers to have a la carte or something closer to a la carte, something yeah. where I have one Great. way to subscribe. I have my own dashboard here that says. Here's all the things you could subscribe to. Um, uh, the Sonos app has that. They've got here's every possible subscription service you could want. There's the Apple one and the Microsoft one and the Spotify and uh, Last FM and there's a whole bunch of ones. Napster apparently has one, but you have one interface for turning them variously on and off, and yeah. and you want to be able to get at what you want, not what they want to bundle that you might want, and. And that's a bit of a tug of war. And, but I think we can win that war if we create on our side a way for normalizing it that actually in, aligns incentives. And their incentive is not just to trap you, but rather just to give you good shit. Because if it's in, in an a la carte world, I, I would gladly pay a la carte for lots of stuff that's on Netflix and not for the whole fucking thing. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, so. So. And it's. Agreed. Yeah. So. So that's like a, that's a little TBD for our community. Like, can we look at subscription, please? Now that we're reaching peak subscription, and the and the assholes of the world want to lock you into their silos, um, uh, and it, yeah. assholes uh, like Linux Journal. Please subscribe to Linux Journal. Though. Well, no, 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 because because that's just it. No doubt about I, 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 well, no, I think I, I think yeah, it, this is kind of an interesting topic, especially for our kind of more freedom thumping communities. Is the more 
compartmentalized like the more individualized a subscription service is like i'll subscribe to linux journal or i'll subscribe to lunduke or i'll go over here whatever right Mm -hmm. you're specifically paying that one entity for that one or a handful of of cool things and in that in doing so you gain an increased amount of freedom like typically the the content provider can then say you know what i'm going to release this to you drm free i'm going to make this easy for you to download i'm going to provide you an rss feed and we're all going to hug and sing kumbaya afterwards but as soon as it starts getting pulled together into big giant groupings of them so let's say now there's a magazine subscription service that linux journal can become a part of like a like an apple magazine thing well, now you have to abide by the least common denominators for digital rights management for distribution that everyone agrees to, along with the company and entity that's providing the overall service. Thus, convenience goes up and freedom goes down. Right. I, I've yet to see uh, an actual functioning example that's been really successful where they've brought a service with where many creators can come together and 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 be within them to make it easy for the consumers the readers the watchers while still keeping the freedom level high there's been lots of examples like on the application side the elementary app store has done great with that but they haven't really been numerically successful with it on the video side there's things like lbry and peertube and bitshoot and whatnot but none of them have hit a large enough numbers to actually make it so content creators want to flood to those platforms. Even people like us, like me, like I'm on those, but but I'm 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 not I'm not the uh, the 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 Logan Pauls and the and the Ryan Toy review of the mm-hmm. YouTube world. They're not jumping ship out of the big monolithic YouTube where the freedoms are less. I, I've yet to see that sort of thing happen. And typically, historically. This kind of has been consistent. You know, there's really, as technology has increased, um, the convenience increases and the freedom goes down. It's been kind of, it was like that during the 80s. It was a little bit of a shift. During the 90s, a little bit of a shift. In the last 10 years, it just seems a far more dramatic shift than than we've ever seen before. Which makes me pessimistic, yet optimistic. It's weird. Also, so is that what Disney's doing then? I mean, Disney's saying, hey, this is our content. We created it. We yeah. want control. We, we want freedom. We don't want to play your Netflix game. Uh, we're taking our yeah. toys and going home yes. and building our own toy, yeah. uh, you know, playhouse. They're, they're doing that. I, I think uh, the reason we have I, I don't think Disney's likely to, to pump out DRM-free MP4 no, downloads over an RSS feed for us. But yeah, yeah, but otherwise, analogy, yeah. I mean, they do want to play by their own rules, you know. Exactly. And you, well, and, you have to respect that because it's theirs. they get to decide what theirs. they are. Yeah. So, so yeah. To, 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 to the thing you haven't seen, Brian, which is the the big intermediary that can kind of align all the incentives and make it easy for everybody and be the one place you can go to for all of it. I think that we'll never get that, but I I think there are models that we have for how individual choice can work. Um, Starting with, you know, cash. Okay. (laughs) Now, of course the government issues cash, but your cash works just as well everywhere, and it's a universal thing that you have. Right. Um, a wallet is a thing that all of us have. It's generic. It's open source. It's a way that we can present selectively in a minimally disclosing way credentials to, to pretty much anybody that says, I'm over 18. I have money. Um, I can, I'm licensed to drive. Um, I, right. These are, these are credentials that are widely accepted and and involve very little friction um, in, and we haven't brought them very well in yet into the digital world. They've worked very well in the offline world um, for some time, but we haven't made them work yet on the online world in part because Apple and Microsoft and everybody went their own goddamn wallets. And of course, none of us want a wallet that's only an Apple wallet and only some other company wallet. So everybody's claiming to have a wallet that's just for them is kind of violating the whole concept of a wallet. But, but yep. we did it with email. We did it with email. I, I can remember when it was MCI mail versus CC mail versus, you know, yes. proprietary closed mails. And as soon as the internet became a real thing, graphical browsers became a real thing and ISPs became a real thing. The ISP said, you know what? We can all do email real easily because we have this protocol. It's been laying around since 1985 when it was in, 
an IETF um, uh, RFC, you know, that, that's IMAP and POP3 and, and SMTP. And let's just do that because it's easy. That's the kind of thing that we need. It's something low level and simple that can be built in almost anything and can make a signal. And that signal should be able to say, I have money. I'm ready to buy a la carte. Here's how it's done. And it's I, really simple. But I don't know. But I, And, of course, I've been trying to encourage this in the world for 20 years. And I'm it'd still- be great. It'd be great. I, I think that existing would make all of us smile a great deal. Unfortunately, the, the standards makers are funded almost entirely by Google, Apple, and Microsoft, and Netflix, and a couple other handful of companies. Like, even... Uh, even the the nonprofit entities that affect our world, the the likes of the you know, the Linux Foundation, the W3C, yada yada yada, they're funded almost entirely by companies who have individual competing standards and have a monetary interest in not having something like that occur and not having that awesome, just open standardized specification for a digital wallet they are it would hurt them monetarily so being as that's the case i don't ever see those organizations getting behind it so to me i don't mean to interrupt but no interrupt away my friend well one of the one of the great 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 probably the greatest irony out there is that google especially but also microsoft also facebook to a much lesser extent, except at the geek level, Apple, um, understand how the internet is the goose that lays the golden egg, endless golden eggs. It is the rising tide that lifts all boats. And, and yet, you know, they, I mean, the phone comp- had the phone companies been jo- given the job of making the internet, they never would have because they would have started with billing. But, <laughs> and it would have made it as complicated as possible, and it would have made it make sure it worked for the I, I, uh, ITU and tariffs for countries on every yep. national border and all the rest of it. And it would have had an absolute – we would have had Minitel multiplied a thousand times. Oh, yeah. It would have been horrible. But instead, this you know high-energy physicist dragged a Trojan horse of TCPAP on top of HTTP into the PTTs and AT&T and the Bells in the U.S. and said – do you mind if we look at documents with each other using this protocol? And they said, okay. And then, and then miracles happen. And guess what? They're making more money. They're actually making more money than they ever would have in their old closed systems. Oh, yeah. So, oh, so, yeah. And so the Googles of the world, you know, that, that a Google could look at the, I mean, one of the most obvious things in the world is that do Nobody wants to be tracked like an animal. Nobody wants it. Nobody ever wanted to be tracked. They wanted to, They wanted state remembered by a cookie. That's fine. I don't mind if your site is remembering my state when I came here or that I have a shopping cart. But I don't want to be tracked out of here. Do not track him along in 2007. And Google and its friends have managed to turn do not track in the W3C into the tracking preference expression. So, yeah. So, yeah. What a, what, a, what a horrible irony that is, because had tracking never been allowed in the first place, if good manners had prevailed in the first place, if Google had been in compliance with its geeks in the first place, they would have said, amen to do not track. Yes, we'll make sure that it's on by default in Chrome and we'll figure out the rest of this. And by the way, we're still going to make money off of search advertising. So it's not a problem. They could have done that. They didn't do it. Um Likewise, other open source-ish companies have have still wanted to lock you down. The, oh yeah. The the urge to as um oh, what's his name oh, uh, bought the Clippers for the uh, bomber. Bomber, yeah. Steve Steve Bomber said back in '95 that the key to any business success is you find an inter- intersection. Lock it down and put in toll booths and charge to cross it. That's what. That's the yep. way to success in business, and that's that imperative remains, even though there are ample examples of abundance actually working and not screwing customers actually works, and and that's not so much troubling to me as sort of curious in an anthropological sense i mean it's kind of like well 
you know, I guess the selfish gene is the one that controls things, and there it is. I don't know. Yep. Absolutely. But I'm, but I'm fighting it, so that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, we fight it. We fight it as best we can. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, I'd like to say that it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I think the issue, though, I mean, ultimately, it's kind of I got that in a headstone. I'd like to yeah. say it's depressing. <laughs> it's all yep. very depressing. It's just, the problem is, is that really aware, and two, don't care that much. Most people, yeah, most people don't care. just don't care. Nobody cares that you see Amazon ads for exactly what you were listening to, or looking for, uh, constantly shown to you. Uh, with one caveat, people are starting to care that devices are listening to them in their house when they're not on. Or, you know, your phone is actually listening to you all the time or, you know, whatever is happening. And then you're being targeted. And, and that's a little creepy. So so there is lots of research. Um, uh, back in, I think it was 15, Annenberg at Penn, um, uh, for years after years until they got bought or something trustee had the, had had the had these surveys where you know d- do people care about their privacy online yeah. no they're making they, they know the bargain of a, of of free of of lots of free stuff on the net is a faustian one they just don't know what to do about it and so they acquiesce and and there's you know i mean it's they know their frog is boiling and they know it's bad but they don't know any alternative. And as my friends in law schools tell me, in in the absence of obvious, clear, and prosecutable harm, um, we put up with things. We put up with all kinds of things. And but it's there. I mean, nobody ever liked drunk driving on the road. And a certain at a certain point, something got crossed, and it was not okay. And I think that was Candy Leitner and uh, and and Mothers Against Drunk Driving. But Smoking is a different one. I mean, it's like smoking was not only okay. I mean, when I was a kid, because I'm I'm the old one here, in the 50s and 60s, smoking was not only I was universal. Every house was filled with smoke. Yeah, yeah. Most of the parents smoked. Um, uh, you know, it it was just you know look at the old movies and the rest of it. It was this, it was part of the fabric of everything, and yet it was awful. It was just awful and. And and now, you know, at a certain point, quang, it flipped. It just flipped. It was like suddenly it was not okay. And it wasn't it wasn't just that the laws occurred. It's that it just it, it wore out, you know, and um so I think these things can change. I think that the if we have the means on our side to have the equivalent of clothing and shelter, which we've gone to, you know, which we don't have online yet. It's still Eden. It's only twenty three years in. We still are not clothed or sheltered, and so it's easy for others to take advantage of us. And there's money in it, so they do. And do you? Do you and I, I don't mean to derail you a little bit here, but when we're talking, I, I when we're myself, so. <laughs> when we're talking about the internet, like a nice big global TCP/IP network, and we're talking, we're 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 still in Eden. We're covered in fig leaves. We don't even have a nice little <laughs> shanty town up. We don't even have fig leaves. We're being eaten by snakes. <laughs> so if we're at that point, historically, technological communication mechanisms from the since the time of the telegraph onward tend to have a shelf life that's fairly limited. And then once we got into really fully digital communication mechanisms starting in the 60s and 70s with some of the various things that came about and resulted in CompuServe, etc., they had a really limited shelf life too. Do you do you believe that we're going to be around with the internet close enough to what it is right now, at least technologically, 30, 40, 50 years from now, so that we can finally put some decent clothes on and, and buy some good shoes that'll actually make our feet feel good when we walk on the rocks? Like, do you think it'll exist long enough to fix it? Yeah, I, I think it's not so much that it, it, it will exist. It's that certain things were loosed into the world and are not going away. They're, they're, they're like... Uh, Joey Ito compared it to oxygenation. There was this change in the world that happened, um, and we're not going back. We're not going to have that experience twice. We invented binary math. We invented ICs, 
integrated circuits. We invented, uh, you know, solid state um, electronics. We invented miniaturization. We invented the digital world and a protocol to pull it all together. It may not be the final protocol, but it was a simple one, and that's why it happened. But it's there are genies released that aren't going back in the bottle. Yeah. We just don't know what to do with them yet. And and actually, we do know what to do with them. We've, we've, we, the low-hanging fruit has been grabbed, and a, a few companies are making money at it. But they're they're not the end of things. The I mean, and Amazon to me, we, to go back to that, is a really weirdly special case because it is eating all of retail and yeah. that and distribution and data storage all at fucking once. And it's it is it really is like Ice Nine and and Andromeda Screen. And but it's but it's also very useful. I mean, those things were just bad. This is actually useful and good. So, but here in Santa Barbara, um, uh, the downtown is devastated, and yeah. and um, uh, and 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 retail has basically gone away. I went to pick up some USB C to other things, um, cables yesterday at Best Buy. They were out. They don't have them. They don't. I was also looking for a 5K screen because one exists and LG makes it. Did they have it? No. I can buy those things online. I can buy them this afternoon. I can yeah. buy them while we're talking right now and that is what i'll end up doing and that's i mean there are things that have figured out how to live in the middle of this like groceries um amazon accepted if you have prime and go to the high-end grocery store they own but you know but there's but we we have we have this new world in our midst that i don't think was is we're going back to back away from we're not going to become non-digital we're not going to not make ICs. We're not going to not do, you know, have, I mean, the, the world is experiencing the absence of distance now. And that is really, really, really new. That would never something. Happen. So sorry that, to interrupt, but that's something you, you actually mentioned in the first podcast we ever did. We talked yeah. about, uh, we talked about space. Basically, here we are, the three of us are, you know, scattered across the country, but we are basically in in the same place at the same time, right? Yeah. And 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 that that's the technology we're talking about. And I think the yeah. technology behind it, whether the you know the the internet exists as it does now or not, is not so much the relevant point. The relevant point is that some technology somewhere will exist to eliminate all of this space. That we are all, you know, oh. these one to one and one to many connections come together and this, this is how we've decided we want to communicate we want to re remove the space between all of us uh, among all of us and i think the the issue is not so much that the technology will remain the same or not they i think the method of communication either will or it won't people will either you know develop a, a new a new internet a new means of communicating while removing by removing the space or People will massively reject this way of communicating. This, like, like uh, you know, the, the your rejection of social media, for example. People at some point yeah. decide, wait, I want my space back. You know, I don't want, you know, this real time connection with the entire rest of the world at all times. You know, maybe they just won't want it. I, I, I yes, I mean, so. There's a couple of things there. I mean, the the first is that when we start reducing the amount of space between all of us, all of a sudden, everything gets very, very crowded. And when things get crowded, stress levels increase, productivity decreases, sleep decreases, and health decreases. That sort of thing just happens when you start packing yeah. people in. Um, Hong Kong. You do, you do, and and there's good parts to that. I'm like, there's real benefits to living in downtown New York City. But there's also real downsides to living in downtown New York City. And so yeah. I, I, I get concerned when I start – when I see – when people extol the virtues of having an always connected, interconnected world where uh, Bangkok – Tokyo and you know uh, Omaha, Nebraska are all you know five milliseconds away from each other. That's an amazing technological accomplishment that absolutely blows my mind that we as human beings pulled that off. And as Ian Malcolm would say, we probably should have stopped to think about whether or not we should have done that. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah. it, it concerns me a little bit. Like it's cool 
that the three of us in very different regions of the continent can come together, record a show, publish a show. That's wicked awesome. It brings us together as people. However, when that can be done with anybody on the globe 24-7 from a device irradiating your genes, that starts to terrify the, the bejesus out of me a little bit. Uh, that, that goes into a weird place. Like right now I'm sitting... Here in my studio, I'm I'm in a dedicated spot specifically meant for communicating with with good folks like you and making shows and doing all my thing. And then when I get up, that's it. I, no one's gonna contact me out. when I'm in the other yeah. room. I'm punched out. You know, I'm on call. Um, and and I do that very very purposefully. We have stations around the house. Like we try and not have Wi-Fi throughout the house, and not necessarily because you know, oh my gosh, Wi-Fi is going to kill you or something, but because wh why why do I need to be in constant contact with everyone all around the globe? In time, we're not in constant contact with people on the tweeters and the Facebookies. Yeah. So it's just, I, I feel like it's it's trending us as a species in a negative direction. Uh, personally, I, I look at that and that doesn't that doesn't feel human. Um, it's cool that we can, but it's like so many of the amazing things that we create: cars, uh, antibiotics, things that save humanity, propel us forward, and make us more productive. When we overuse them kill us or make us stressed out or start taking more of our time than they were actually saving in the first place. And so, and I feel like internet usage in general is kind of along those lines, an amazing feat of technology that showcases the best of what the human mind can accomplish. And we way overused it by about a thousand percent. And maybe we all just need to dial it back. So we use the internet for about an hour a day. <laughs> I, I that's personally that, that's how, kind of how I've gotten to look at it lately an, inter an interesting thing is you're saying that and I agree with all of it um and I admire yes. it because I, I'm not sure I can do I'm not sure I could want a corner of my house without wi-fi but um <laughs> but I shifted I don't know if videos on but th there's a basketball backboard over there and yeah. um that's where I go to um to get away from connection it's just is a way to be, be physical online. And that, yeah, and that, and now that I'm, I'm old, I can no longer shoot fifty percent from outside. I shoot about four percent, but it, it's okay. <laughs> I'm still moving. Um, but, but the, the interesting thing is, it's kind of like, um, Joey Ito is the one that gave me the the, the metaphor of oxygenation. But as I said, I thought it was kind of like the invention of, of speech. You know, hey, wait, we can speak. We're the monkeys who can speak. That's cool. Um, we, we can walk on two feet. That's better than four, don't you think? Okay, we can, we can, we can, we can tell stories. We can scribe. We can now have movable type. And I think what we have with the internet is in digital technology, because I try to lump them together, but the internet really made it universal. Um, yeah. is is a way of being with each other we didn't have before, and it's an option. That I mean, the optionality of it is what you're claiming, and I really like that. It's, and it's kind of like your attitude towards social media is like, you know what? I don't have to drink or smoke. I can I can stay away from this. You know, this is not for me, um, so I'm not going to do it. I, I think we're still very much at that discovery stage. It, it occurs to me as we're talking, and when you said, I can, you know, when this is over, I walk away from it. I've left this room, your studio, that. One of the things we can't do is actually touch. We can't shake hands. We, there's yeah. things that we can't do when we're in this non-place because it's not a place. There's not a single yeah. preposition. English has like 50 or 60 prepositions over, under, around, through, beside, within. None of those apply to the Internet. We talk about being on it. We talk about being through it. None of them apply. No. There is no metaphor for what the fuck this is we're doing now. <laughs> it isn't. And that's really makes it very hard. There isn't. It does. You know, I mean, they're all wrong. Metaphors are wrong by design, but this is extra wrong. There's no other example of it. It's like the universe. There's only one of them. Can't give any other examples. Um, it's and and it's again. It's not. It's the genie that's not going back in the bottle. But we haven't figured out what to do with it yet. Because, and, but I think that's a really interesting hint that we can't touch. We actually can't touch. We can talk. Yeah. We can hear each other. And and we can we can choose how much to share. For example, 
you guys are yeah. sharing video. I just have my video off because you know we're recording and nobody can see it anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I maybe and don't want y'all to know that I'm basically slouching on my couch right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I left mine on only because Brian has his on, and I thought ah peer pressure. I got you. I'll, I'll just be a, a little. I almost never do because I think every so often I want to scratch my armpits or something, and um, you know, you don't want to be. You know, here's here's the thing I I've learned. If you got the video, like, you know, I don't know how many shows I've done at this point, but if you have the urge to burp or toot or scratch the armpit, <laughs> do it, but just do it with gusto, and then wow. everyone yeah. will praise yeah. you yeah. for yeah. scratching that pit. Yeah, like, get in there. I'm a monkey. I'm just itching <laughs> that thing. It's totally okay. Every yeah. single human being on this planet, and this is part of why the internet sucks so much. Every human being on this planet toots and scratches their armpit yeah. and stinks a little bit. I have never met a human being that doesn't have a little bit of a stink to them if you hang out for long enough, right? We're people. It's just how it happens. And yet, people hop on the internet and they feel compelled because there's no physical presence to each other. It's not a real place to pretend like they don't stink and to <laughs> pretend like everyone else surely must stink way more. When the fact is we all just stink a little. Sure, there's variations on a theme and some of us smell a little oniony, especially <laughs> during Hanukkah. Uh, however, um, just the same, we all stink a little bit. Bit, and I feel like that sort of gets lost. It, it, it dehumanizes us a little bit. At the end, at the end, like if, for example, if me and Doc were instead of mostly agreeing right now, we were mostly disagreeing and we were going at each other and we were just having it out. At the end, we can't we can't just high five or hug. We can't say, hey, you know what? Want to go grab a burger and talk about you know sports or something? Yeah, yeah. You can't do that in the same way. And I, it, to me, it just it just destroys personal relationships. I, 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 I uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I like I like people being around. It's like going to a, a Linux tech conference. I would much rather be at like a Linux fest or something like that and be able to hang out with all the people that are like us and have break bread together, goof off, grab drinks, talk about things, show us each other's gadgets and play with things than to hop on Twitter and hear about, oh, and read about, oh, okay, all the exact same stuff. I miss, you miss out on something when you're not together. And video conferencing... As awesome as it is for this sort of work, and you know, at least having a chat with a grandkid or something, you miss that. I don't know. Ah, it bums me out. Yeah. Well, I mean, fortunately, we we remain embodied animals, and and we, you know, we have to we have to live with our own methane output. <laughs> right. And you can't send methane. methane. You can't pipe the methane. <laughs> we haven't found a way to packetize methane yet. No, it hasn't been done. Oh man, whoever does <laughs> that, I don't that, give anyone that from me. Uh, so Jeff Bezos, <laughs> if you're listening, please figure out how to packetize methane. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> everyone on the Earth will either subscribe or unsubscribe <laughs> from Prime real quick. Well, you can do things like send a bag of glitter. I mean, it's, we're talking about electrical. We're talking about mail. Send a, send a bag of dicks. That's a thing. Um, someday, somebody will figure out a way to send a packet of glitter, you know, <laughs> virtually. And then why not, you know, explodes out of a compartment in the monitor. Glitter will happen glitter. eventually. Because I had this image of glitter of like a cat litter box right here in the office, right? <laughs> glitter, glitter. Sorry, no glitter. Glitter. Glitter because glitter is evil and yeah. <clears throat> oh, you can't Lord. ever get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 have we left any any turns unstoned here? Uh, <laughs> no, I think oh, all the have been yeah, yeah. Un, unturned. Although I think we may have left it on a depressing note. I think we need a, a hopeful no. final oh, I, thought. Uh, We're gonna fix it. Well, on know. the plus Wait, side, it is it is almost Linux conference season, so we get to see each other in person, and people get to hug each other and, like, high-five other Linux nerds. We got, was it Fosdom is the end of January? We got Linux Fest in April. I think Scale is 
scale is February or March this year. There's a whole bunch coming up uh, through the first three months of, of January or of, of uh, 2019. So yeah. then people can get together and high five and do all the good things yeah, people can I'm do. So in need to do it with one of those. I've, I've, you just mean, I, I went to a couple things. I went to OSCON uh, for the first time in a long time. And I had, uh, and I went to a Linux, um, uh, Linux Foundation thing in Vancouver. Uh, a couple oh months. yeah, the the summit. The summit, yeah, that was fun. That was actually fun. I, I did a lot of interviews there that are still in a can, and I need to get them out. So that's a thought. Um, yet another thing for my long list of undone. They are fun, right? Even the super corporate ones, like the OzCon. OzCon is the most sterile corporate Linux festival in the it, world, but it's, it's still nice that. to go it's, to. Yeah, it's still fun because you still have real people and they're still yeah. there. You know, and 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 uh, my experience there was that I had, I guess it was food poisoning or something, just for <laughs> one of the days, and <laughs> and I spent the whole time in absolute misery. In a stall in a men's room, oh. and, in, and the, in the Portland Convention Center, that's no fun. Yeah, and and actually, I mean, and at one point, I, I actually said, because I, I knew there were other people there. I said, if anybody's out there, can you go to somebody and get me a bucket? You know, and <laughs> it and I got so much help. I mean, it was like They're good people, really, really great help from people yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Um, that was just really sweet. It was really, you know, and, and it was real. I mean, it was it was real in a way I never don't want to be real again. But unfortunately, it's one of those things is like, that was really horrible when it was over. It was just like, wow, that was really weird. But I don't mean to discuss people, but that's my substitute for methane. Um, but it was... It's, this is it, not getting edited out, by the way. This is fantastic. But it, I don't but it, edit anything, so we're we, good to go. We, we really do need to be human with each other and yeah. maybe it's the frontier right now and that's where you're going and sort of taking the lead you've got me rethinking a lot of this i mean as a journalist twitter is enormously helpful and a lot of the problems that people have with twitter with trolls and arrests i never see it because I'm, I'm only corresponding with a bunch of other journalists for the most part yeah. you know, so that, that does change things a little bit it, it really does but it, I don't know. I don't know that it is all that helpful. I thought it was helpful. I thought it was making me more productive. I thought it was giving me new information. And then I stopped using it. And I realized that I'm still I'm still publishing the news. I'm a lot better than half of the journalists that I was talking to on Twitter are. So I think you might be right. Because it, one I of the things I noticed is that my own, my own output of... There's almost an inverse relationship between... My corresponding by tweet, because that's really what it is. It's more like corresponding by tweet. But the more that goes up, the less I'm actually sitting there writing stuff. Yes. You know, you know, you do you do mention one one thing. The one nice thing about things like Twitter is when you use it like a news feed, like an RSS news feed yeah. of. Yeah. You know, let's say your specific people that you follow in your industry, it is convenient for that. If you could somehow strip away all the other garbage that goes with it, it mm -hmm. would be the world's most wonderful news feed uh, for me to just get the press release postings of all the different Linux distributions and the EFF and everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the only part I miss. But then, then I just have an RSS feed set up and people know to email me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, Catherine. What do you think? What I think is, um, yeah. So, so on the topic of conferences, I, you know, not to drag this out a lot longer, but um, conferences. No, I. So, so I, I totally get what you're saying about you know the the real. There's no substitute for real world communication. There really isn't. We we come we approximate it and we come really close, but it. But ultimately, there's no substitute. But I found, I mean, I haven't been to one of the, the events that you're talking about since, God, probably 2010, I think, was my last Holy, Oscar. holy you're overdue. Wow. Well, I, you know, one, number one, budgets. Number two, people <laughs> yeah, yeah, stopped yeah. going. Yeah. People stopped going. You know, the last time I That's went to Oscon, yeah. it had changed. People, you know, there was, people, everyone's different. travel budget was dead. People were like, well, what am I, what are we really getting out of yet an, uh, sending people to yet another conference? And, yeah. um, 
and you know, I think things shifted to more to regional conferences. There were, you know, yes. stuff like that. They were cheaper to get to and 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 whatnot. Um, but you know, there is, I think, real real value in that, and I'd like to see it again. And, and the thing is, though, what what I wonder though is that have they become less fun? Also, <laughs> because Some they of used them. to be. There used to be so much joy, you know, to be had yes. at an OzCon and watching somebody get their company's tattoo. <laughs> their logo okay, that was weird. Oh, well, that those was moments really weird, are a little but, odd. Yeah, but, yeah. I, mean, look, I know. I mean, I mean, a red fedora looks good on anybody, but heavens to Betsy, <laughs> that sucker's permanent, and eventually the muscles get stretched out, and that fedora is <laughs> not going to be the same. But when you have free tattoos at a party, yeah. <laughs> no, it happens. Oh but, you, but like you said about more regional ones. Yes. And Doc, Doc will remember this. The <laughs> earlier computer clubs, you know, when you go through like the 80s and even into like the early to mid 90s, man, the regional computer clubs and those those user conferences where they were like a lug, but way bigger and different. Oh, yeah. Those were the most amazing soul affirming events. The neck beards came out and the the sweaty <laughs> armpits and the it was amazing. We all got together. People had homebrew machines on full tables people yeah, yeah. it was just so great and we're seeing a resurgence in that like um ohio linux fest and linux fest northwest and these regional nonprofit events linux fest northwest brings in over 2,000 people now over mm. 2,000 people that's more than some of the corporate events i i know what is it uh SousaCon brought in i think the last year i was involved with it like 600 some odd people and that's some big giant mega corporate event but yet these little tiny mom and pop style, more like 1980s style events with folding tables and little like projects mm -hmm. put together, MacGyver style with bubble gum and wires and whatnot. Those are making a comeback. And it's so awesome. Those are the ones that I, I get excited to get to. You see the new stuff being made. You see the people making it. It's people bring their kids to show their kids what the world can be like. I feel like if you've got a tech conference and you don't actively encourage kids to be there, not with babysitting, but with their friends, their parents at the booths, in the talks, to inspire that sort of next generation of kids to be crazy nerdy, you might as well not even have a conference. So like, like OzCon, uh, Open Source Summit, uh, all of them have their values. But I feel like they've lost some of the magic and some of the fun that, that Catherine was talking about. But those regional events, whoa, yeah, they're I think awesome. It's so important. I, I think that's what we, that's what we as geeks and humans that we, that's what we seek out. We seek out the enthusiasm. We seek out we seek out the magic. We want we want to make something new or get excited about something. If if you don't come away from an event getting excited to start a project or um, excited to learn a new trick then i right. you know I, I think that they they have less hope of succeeding yes yes, yes. on that <laughs>